Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Since I'm standing here, I'm also going to do the scripture reading for today. So, um, Isaiah 5, 1 through 17. <clears throat> I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, Judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I am going to do with my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Oops, sorry. Uh, I'm Jenna. Like Steve said, that was maybe too kind of an introduction. I don't know that I'm that great of a preacher, but I'm going to give him a best college try. Um, I am one of the pastors that Awaken in St. Paul, um, and I'm really thankful to be here this morning. Uh, maybe a little bit about me. I grew up in Minnesota, born and raised. I went to school in Chicago at North Park, and I did the thing that most Minnesotans do, and I came back. Um, so Recently, just a couple weeks ago, I moved to St. Paul from North Minneapolis, so I guess I'm also a trader, uh, crossing the river, but it was worth it. Um, As you heard, we are in quite the doozy of a passage this morning. Um, As I was reflecting this past week on, um, yeah, the words and maybe what I would say this morning, I had a relatively profound thought, which is that when you're a guest preacher, you probably shouldn't choose a judgment passage. (laughs) About halfway through, I was like, what have I done? (laughs) Um, But you print liturgies, so it's too late. Um, (laughs) And yet, in all seriousness, like, I couldn't shake this one. I feel like I have been finding myself a bit in the prophets lately, maybe in search of a framework 
to understand why things are the way they are. In search of maybe a word or a vision of comfort or relief, but maybe more importantly, a challenge and a discomfort. And I've been trying real hard as of late to be the kind of person that could hear a hard word. The kind of word that maybe cuts or stings a little with its truth. The kind of word that unsettles me. But I want to be the kind of person that can lean in, as they say, instead of coiling up or fleeing. I want to be the kind of person where a word can take me to task or call me to question because I feel like I need it, right? I'm young, but I feel like the older I get, if that is absent in my life, am I being a little too careful with my mind? Am I being transparent? And so this morning, simply offer this, um, maybe as we engage together, a hard word, but it's yours to receive. So would you pray with me this morning? God, for eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord, I entrust this morning to you, and I ask that you would make yourself available, that you would speak what it is you want to speak. God, and if there is anything this morning that is untrue, I ask that it would not take root in my friends. God, but what is true, um, that willing hearts would receive it. We pray this all in your name. Amen. So we're in the book of Isaiah this morning. A few things about Isaiah. Isaiah was ministering in the 8th century BCE uh, in the southern kingdom of Israel, so in Judah, uh, and he was ministering during and before the Assyrian exile, so the first time um, that the Israelites experienced exile. And there's one thing in particular that you'll see kind of throughout the entire book that Isaiah, uh, where this maybe strong language comes from for him, he's addressing one thing in particular, and it's the lack of righteousness and justice among the people. And now in some ways, that's maybe a little self-explanatory. Uh, there was not equity in the people. There was suffering happening while others were accumulating wealth. The most vulnerable were not being cared for. This is not unique to Israel. Societies all over the place have always had to grapple with the ways that injustice manifests in societies. And that's not to gloss over the seriousness of injustice in itself, but it is to also acknowledge that there's something undergirding all of this for Isaiah. And I'd say that it's a loss of integrity. Right? Because the Israelites, the people of God, they were the ones who were supposed to embody equity. They were the ones who were supposed to be marked by things like faithfulness and justice and transformation and hope and love because that's who God is. And there's just a different kind of pain and loss when there's been a departure so great from who or what something is intended to be. Right? We've all been there, whether it's been a relationship or a job or a community or a vision that you felt like maybe came from God, 
that the thing that it was intended to be, something that maybe you worked for, something that you maybe helped create, something that you trusted, when it fails to become the thing that it was supposed to be. And Isaiah is dealing with this on a large scale, where the entire identity of a people group has been compromised to the point where they're going to lose everything. Like, they will be taken into exile. They will become a conquered people because of the alliances that they were making. And if you go on and and continue to read the book of Isaiah, there's also beautiful passages interspersed and promises of redemption and returning to the land and faithfulness and all of those things, and yet, we're not there yet. We're on the edge of the falling where Israel's lack of integrity has brought it here, where a hard word is needed. And so I want to do something to maybe help us connect a little bit with the hard words of this passage, maybe a practice that you have or haven't done. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. I feel like any time a teacher is like, we're going to try something new, turn to the stranger next to you and say something vulnerable. Not going to do that. You just have to sit there. Um, But what I do want to do is read through the passage slowly and invite you to imagine. Um, But more importantly, I want you to pay attention to how these words affect you. And so maybe if uh, you find yourself good at identifying emotions quickly, like how do these words make you feel? Or maybe if that is a bit of a stretch, can you pay attention to what's happening in your body? Are you tightening up anywhere? Do you feel, you know, maybe a sense of relief or loosening in your body? So I'm going to read through it two times, and maybe as we do that, I'd invite you to close your eyes. Maybe take a few deep breaths. Let yourself be present. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I haven't already done for? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. What more could have been done for my vineyard that I haven't already done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. So I hear that at Genesis, we do all plays. Um, So I'm curious, maybe a few brave people, could you name maybe what you heard or how those words affected you? What emotions, what happened in your body? Okay. 
sadness, betrayal, anxiety, lack of hope, regret. Thank you. For me, I felt uncomfortable. And it produced questions in me like, is God really like that? Right? Would God really destroy something that God made good? Does the punishment fit the crime? Maybe even kind of a disassociation, like that was then and this is now. And yet, friends, this is what the passage is supposed to do. It is supposed to evoke some sort of response, some sort of movement in us. All of the things that you all named, that all belongs here. And Isaiah and many of the other prophets, all throughout their ministries and and the books of the Bible, use poetry and imagery to evoke exactly that, some sort of response. So how many of you have ever been in a situation where you... uh, a spoken word or a play or a song or any art form really that moved you, that made you uncomfortable, or maybe even that produced senses of joy, like that is what art is supposed to do. And when it's used in this way, it has an incredible ability to communicate a hard word and for the hearers to be able to receive it in a different kind of way. Right? And the intent is to reveal the truth of something and to move us to response. And so Isaiah, ironically, or maybe not ironically, how that passage opens is actually how a familiar love song opens between a bride and a groom the week that they're married. And so if you put yourself in the shoes of the hearers, could you imagine like hearing the beginning of that song and maybe the hope? or joy, or excitement that you would feel because you know the song. But Isaiah, like, shifts it dramatically, and all of a sudden, the hearers are in a scene of a courtroom where the vineyard is on trial. And the Israelites are realizing by the end of that that it's God and that they're the ones that are accused. And the people have to reckon the bloodshed, and the cries that have come from their own doing. And they're sitting in the midst of confrontation. Oh, like, talk about a hard truth. Talk about some courage needed to actually be able to hear the truth of those words. That there has been a departure from who you were meant to be that you were given everything and you wasted what you were entrusted with, that you've done harm. Now, I'm not saying, Genesis, you've done harm. (laughs) That's not what I'm standing here and proclaiming. I'm not that person that gets to proclaim the judgment of God. (laughs) Um, And yet... I believe that many of you in this room probably are kind, good, and honest people living lives with justice in plain sight, with love of neighbor. I mean, the backpack, that's great. And yet, 
but also guess that at some point, we've probably all missed it. We've probably wasted. We've probably departed from who we were supposed to be. We've probably done harm. And I can say that with confidence because that's true of me. And so it might be with you too. And so I name all of that because I think there can be a tendency to disassociate and to think that maybe a hard word isn't for us. And yet, a reminder that, that maybe if we think of this individually, we can't really connect with it. But a reminder that this word was actually given to a group of people, a collective identity. And if we start to see ourselves in the line of church history and maybe identify with Big C Church, I can say with confidence that, man, the church has missed it before. We've done harm before. And we, as the people of God, have to reckon with that, right? I had the privilege this past summer in June um, to go to Duke Divinity for their Summer Institute on Reconciliation. Um, and I, I took a class called Prophetic Resistance, and I got to learn from a woman named, I'm going to pause because you need to receive this, Reverend Dr. Velda Love. And she, I, there are very few uh, individuals in the world where I get in the same room as them and I think, I am not worthy to be here. How did I get in this room? No offense, everyone. <laughs> um, but the kind of thing where it was like, oh my God, she looked at me. <laughs> okay, she laughed at my joke. Wow, don't say anything stupid. Um, but she is phenomenal and um, Felt like every afternoon I was a little chewed up and spit out in the best of ways. Uh, and there was this particular instance where we were invited to reflect on a passage from Isaiah, actually. Uh, one of the restoration passages where it gives this vision of the captives uh, being released and uh, liberation and the, the people are healed and restored and they come back to rebuild their city. And so we were invited to reflect on that, and I raised my hand to say something. And if you know me, that's a big deal. Like, usually when I'm in group context, I'm more of a listener. Um, and I don't say anything unless I really feel like, man, I got, oh, I got something good. Watch out. And I raised my hand, and I shared some reflection, and she looked at me. The room felt quiet. And she said what do you do with the fact that most people in the world will never experience God's goodness like this? Like a reminder that there are people in the world who are born in captivity, who will live in captivity, and who will die in captivity, and who will never experience the physical restoration. And man, I melted in my seat, not only because of the, the truth of that hard word, but because of the shame I felt, because of the humiliation I felt, and because I couldn't see the lens by which I read the text, which is 
and privilege. My life is restored. And it was a hard word. And when we have those experiences of encountering a hard word, let me tell you, your emotions will do everything in their power to keep you from being able to hear that hard word. Whether it's shame, avoidance, denial, anger, take your pick. Hopefully you know what your response is. And so the question becomes, can we hear it? And can we stay in it long enough for it to do its work on us? Right? For the hard word to actually produce action and response. Dare I say, good grace. For us to be able to entrust ourselves into the hand of a loving God and to trust that that hard word is for our good. That there is a severe mercy when people around me can name the ways that I miss it, that I waste it, that I do harm, or that I don't see it. And sometimes that mercy can feel so severe, and yet, it's the beginning of freedom. It's the beginning of the restoration. Friends, you can never get out of the crap if you don't name the crap, right? And so, what's the hard word for you? And what would it take for you to hear it? I want to be clear that what I mean by a hard word is something that's true, but it's difficult to receive. And so, for you, maybe it is along the lines of failure or mistake. Maybe it's an interpersonal relationship where uh, a person has brought something to you, maybe one time, maybe a hundred times, and you just can't quite receive it. Maybe it's the sense that a habit or practice in your life that has held you up for so long is not serving you anymore, and you can set it down. But maybe it's a word that you are worthy of love and belonging. Maybe it's a word that you have done enough. Maybe it's a word that God has never left you and will not. Maybe it's that you're good. Those can be hard words to receive too. So in closing, I wanted um, to close with a prayer that has been really powerful in my life. Um, it's from a devotion called Meditations of the Heart by Howard Thurman. I would recommend this highly. Um, and this is the prayer that I have returned to over the last seven years. Um, probably most often, I think because I have a hard time hearing. Um, but it's called, Give Me the Listening Ear. And so again, I would maybe invite you to posture yourself in a way that lets you receive words, so whether that's closing your eyes, opening your hands, or staring at me blankly, that counts too. So receive these words. Give me the listening ear. I seek this day the ear that will not shrink from the word that corrects and admonishes. The word that holds up before me the image of myself that causes me to ponder and reconsider. The word that challenges me 
to deeper consecration and higher resolves, the word that lays bare needs that make my own days uneasy, that seizes upon every good, decent impulse of my nature, channeling it into paths of healing in the lives of others. Give me the listening ear. I seek this day the disciplined mind, the disciplined heart, the disciplined life that makes my ear the focus of attention through which I may become mindful of expressions of life foreign to my own. I seek the stimulation that lifts me out of old ruts and established habits, which keeps me conscious of myself, my needs, my personal interests. Give me this day the eye that is willing to see, the meaning of the ordinary, the familiar, the commonplace, the eye that is willing to see my own faults for what they are, the eye that is willing to see the likable qualities in those I may not like, the mistake in what I thought was correct, the strength in what I had labeled as weakness. Give me the eye that is willing to see that thou has not left thyself without a witness in every living thing, thus to walk with reverence and sensitiveness through all the days of my life. Give me the listening ear, the eye that is willing to see. Amen. Time and time again throughout the age, endings are a place where life is remade. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.